Hello, I'm Jamie Branham, President, Zoetis International Operations, and I'd like to welcome you to the second episode of Season 2 of my podcast, Wellness. In this podcast, I'm connecting with my colleagues at Zoetis, the greater veterinary and animal health community, and other experts about topics around well-being. From understanding the positive impacts pets can have on our physical and mental well-being to learning how we can better manage stress at work and find a comfortable life balance, we continue to explore how we can better look after ourselves and support each other. In the previous episode, I had the chance to sit down with Dr. Mike McFarlane about the amazing benefits pets can have on our well-being. Today, I'm pivoting the conversation to wellness in the workplace with two special guests who bring different perspectives on this topic. As we start to navigate the hopeful transition to post-pandemic life, it's become clear that we need a reset to help focus on wellness in the workplace. As a leader, a big inspiration of this podcast is my hope to empower colleagues and leaders to create a workplace culture where we can do just that. There are many areas we can prioritize wellness at work, and today I'm happy to talk to two leaders who have great experience with this subject. Firstly, I'd like to welcome a Zoetis leader who's proactively making wellness a part of her team's culture. Michelle Quinn is the Head of Business Analytics and Market Research for Zoetis International Operations, based in our Dublin, Ireland International Headquarters. Michelle currently leads a team that is focused on a variety of commercial initiatives to support field force effectiveness, marketing analytics, customer relationship management, and market and customer insights across Zoetis International Markets. Not only does Michelle have a passion for optimizing business performance in her role, she also has a passion about what happens when we optimize our colleagues' well-being. And I'm looking forward to hearing about her wellness journey as a leader. Part of Michelle's plan was to prioritize wellness for her team, including implementing a six-part workshop from McNulty Performance, a training and development, coaching and advisory business specializing in leadership, high-performance teams, culture and well-being. With the McNulty's expertise on this subject, I'm also happy to welcome Leo Tiernan to our podcast. Leo heads up performance and well-being at McNulty and has over 10 years of experience in building health and wellness programs for leading global organizations, including Google, KPMG, and others. In his role, Leo focuses on building lasting solutions to improve employee performance and well-being based on a deep understanding of how well-being influences the performance and productivity of people. Michelle, Leo, thank you for joining me today. As we get started with our discussion on wellness in the workplace, I'd like to get a, a little more understanding about how both of you came to focus in on this topic. Michelle, over to you. Give us a brief overview of your, your wellness journey. Thanks so much, Jamie, for having me here today to talk about this very important topic of wellness, one that's near and dear to my heart. For me, the pandemic really called out the need to refocus on wellness. Work became a coping mechanism as I had limited social network here in a new country, plus the restrictions here in Ireland, while keeping us safe, minimized the ability to move freely and engage in social activities. I felt very fortunate to have my horse Swayze here with me as the time I spent with him recentered me, got me outside, kept me active. Whether I was riding Swayze in the Dublin mountains, brushing him or watching him graze in the field, the serenity, comfort, and joy he has brought me is indescribable. Swayze, like all animals, is sensitive to my mood and to my emotions, which makes me more aware, and it gives me an opportunity to pause and reset so I can be fully present with him and give him the energy and attention he deserves. 
Swayze is no stranger to providing tremendous benefit to my well-being, not only through his support during the pandemic over the last few years, back three years ago when I moved to Ireland, and five years ago when I lost my father to suicide. While I've always valued the importance of wellness, losing my father to suicide made me realize the significance of mental well-being and how someone can be struggling so severely, and yet that suffering is not visible to those closest to them. Physical ailments typically immediately prompt us to seek medical attention, but when it comes to mental health, the same response often does not occur. I experienced firsthand the tendency for people to shush, whisper, completely avoid, or dismiss talking about circumstances of my father's death. This mentality and those behaviors contribute to the stigma surrounding mental health, which ultimately prevents people from getting the support they deserve. After my father's death, I promised myself that moving forward, I would honor him by speaking openly about this topic in order to break the stigma and normalize mental health. Through sharing our stories, not only can we raise awareness, but we can start to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I cannot tell you the amazingly positive outpouring of support I have received from friends, colleagues, even strangers folks who have said me too and opened up to share how they themselves have struggled with mental health or have experienced a father, daughter, partner, or friend that has attempted or committed suicide. It's been really powerful. Thank you, Michelle. Um, and really appreciate your openness today um, and, and giving us the chance to speak about these topics. Before we dive a little deeper, Leo, can we pivot to you, sir, and uh, for you to just give us a, an overview of your wellness journey. Jamie, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, and I'd actually like to start by, first of all, um, giving a, a big kudos to yourself and Michelle um, as leaders for prioritizing wellness. Even by just having this podcast, it sends a message to to, to people that you're, you're making time for it and it's a priority. I suppose my wellness journey all my life, I've been passionate about sport or exercise um, and animals. Also, to, to Michelle's point, I grew up on a, a family farm, so um, I do have a, a love for animals. But my career probably started off in actually in the States. So I, I worked with professional athletes in a facility called Exos, training some athletes from the NFL, from Major League Baseball. I got very fortunate when I returned to Ireland. They had actually just acquired the, a contract globally for all the fitness spaces in Google. So then I joined a team of five people and I spent seven years working in Google um, running the, the well-being program in there for all their employees. So we would have been responsible for everything from their nutrition, tying into the, the folks in the canteen, but also what they were doing in terms of physical activity and fitness. Um, when you're working with an elite athlete at, at any level, you, you might be lucky to improve their performance by maybe one or 2%. And it could take 12 months to get that one or 2% improvement. But when you're working with general population or people in a corporate environment, you genuinely have the opportunity to change somebody's life. So for me, that's hugely rewarding. And that's probably one of the biggest things I've taken from my, my wellness journey to date. And it's why I'm so excited and passionate to, to work with, with, with folks like yourselves. I'm definitely going to call myself a corporate athlete. Um, but it's interesting. When you look at wellness and well-being, we, we tend to immediately jump to physical well-being you know even in podcasts before you know i've talked about getting your steps in you know making sure you take a break make sure you do some exercise and i think how we open up more about that the mental health and our well-being 
and sharing our stories um, and making it not a shush moment, Michelle, um, I think is is hugely important. And um, I mean, I, I didn't lose uh, a family member to to mental health, um, but I did lose a, a family member very early in, in in my life. So my brother, and even then, and I'm going back crikey, eighteen years. But even then, the people you knew that would actually they'd cross the other side of the road just because they didn't know what to say. And being able to have these conversations, I hope if we just help one person today, I think we've, we've, we've had an amazing effort. Now our leaders are starting to think more proactively about how we can help people having those conversations. But when you think about your journey, Michelle, with the Centre of Excellence, how did you start that? And, and what have you seen in the progress as you've moved through this journey working with the team um, and with Leo? I think that, to your point, it, it starts with having the conversation, but then we need to put it into action and to support folks in their journey. I think, again, kind of coming out of the pandemic, returning to the workplace, it was clear we needed a reset to help colleagues focus on wellness within the COE. Um, as a leader, my biggest motivation is my team. I want to ensure that I provide the support to enable my team in navigating a healthy work-life balance. I want to create a culture where we're not only comfortable talking about wellness, but again, we're putting it into action and we're providing the tools to support them on that journey. And lastly, I want my team to feel empowered to prioritize their wellness in whatever way resonates to them. What's been really inspirational is to see how this focus and culture shift has been embraced at all levels of the organization with full support like this podcast coming from yourself and, and leaders like Andreas. It's been really great. Within the COE to date, we started small to identify a few ways we can incorporate little behavior changes into our daily lives to promote wellness. Um, some of the things we've done are having every COE colleague have one wellness goal in their 2022 objectives, uh, and more importantly, having those shared amongst our smaller teams so that we can support each other and hold each other a little bit accountable. Um, we've implemented the T model in our regular one-on-one -on -one check-ins. Um, if you're not familiar, the T stands for thoughts, emotions, and actions. Um, that influences how we're feeling, how we're responding, um, and, and it impacts our entire day. So I think it's really important when we're checking in not to jump right into the work bits, to check in with the person and to see how they're doing. And, and that's going to influence and impact everything and start to have those conversations. We rolled out some simple meeting and email etiquette to drive good behaviors and reduce meetings, including not having COE team meetings on Friday. And then finally, we decided to deploy the COE Wellness Lunch and Learns to provide, again, the training tips and tricks to support colleagues in their journey. Um, we decided on a variety of topics, which I'm sure Leo will discuss, um, but really offering this a la carte menu is empowering colleagues to reach in where they're comfortable on, on what can help support their wellness goals. So are you willing to share your uh, wellness goal that's in your IDP? Yes, I, I, I will. So I am committed to at one point during the day to walk away and take a walk outside. I will also share that I am not always successful in, in that goal, but um, I'm, I'm working on it. 
I'm a big believer in you shouldn't obsess. If you if you miss a day, it's okay. If you miss five, you may need to just look in the mirror for a moment, Absolutely. but um, it, it's okay. I'm really keen to hear about the wellness workshops. Um, Leo, do you want to share a bit of detail around the, the modules and how the workshops are coming together? Yeah, so when we're looking at well-being, it's educating individuals and teams and leaders on the holistic approach. So it's not just what you eat or how many steps you get, but it's are you taking time out to create space during the day? Are you taking care of your emotions? That's an intro to well-being. Energy management, um, for people who haven't heard of it before, is how we manage our energy. So bringing awareness to your energy levels throughout the day. If I was to give you an example, if I was to ask both you guys, um, if you imagine you had a day with six one-to-ones, so you had one-to-ones with uh, your direct reports back-to-back, where would your emotional or your mental energy be at the end of that day? So I would imagine it's not going to be pretty high, but you might have the physical energy or the capacity to maybe get out for a walk or Michelle, you might have time to go out and spend some time with your horse. And we have key energy management pillars that we do or or that we teach people about to manage it. So those pillars are your your mindset, um, your nutrition, your physical fitness, your rest and recovery and your sleep. So we actually have modules on sleep and nutrition. So that's going to be the final module. But they're your two best friends when it comes to recovery and maintaining those energy levels. And as leaders, sleep is, is paramount because if, if you're underslept as a leader, your, your team will feed off that. So they will perceive you as less inspirational and less charismatic than you actually are. Um, and nutrition, I suppose, it kind of speaks for itself. Like your food is your fuel. So what we put into our body, it's either going to enhance our performance or optimize it, or it's going to take away from it. So, and again, the the balance piece that you mentioned there, Jamie, it's not, don't do this, don't do that. It's very much educating people on the sustainable good behaviors around nutrition and how people can implement good behaviors and then maintain them. We have two kind of focused on your mental and emotional well-being. So session three is on resilience and emotional fitness. Resilience, sometimes people think that it's very much your ability to withstand maybe tough times or just tough it out and grit your teeth and get through things and also your emotional fitness. So what is your emotional fitness? Are you aware of your emotions, how your emotions affect your behaviors and your actions? Uh, So that's a really interesting module and it ties nicely into our module on proactive mental health and well-being. And I, I spoke with Michelle off the podcast, but I actually lost my father to suicide as well. So being proactive about mental health is something that I'm very passionate about and I understand the benefits of not being reactive. So that's your proactive mental health and well-being. And the final one, a lot of the surveys that we would do, we ask people what their stress levels are or what currently stresses them out the most. So as it stands, um, we have 68.5% of individuals reporting stress at work as their, their number one source of stress. So we devote an entire module. So it's the second module on stress and stress management. And that kind of educates people on what stress is, how our body becomes stressed, what's the difference between good stress and bad stress, how can stress actually help to optimize your performance. So I kind of give you, I went back to front there with those explanations, Jamie, but that's the that's the six modules. No, that's fantastic. Um, just on the stress, did you see any change in that? through the pandemic based on the ways people were working. I I think for a lot of people, it's like, I'm at home. 
I don't have to commute. I've got extra time. Kind of became a, a sort of a slave to Zoom calls, you know, and you were completely stacked. And I'm interested if actually we saw increased stress from a, a different work environment to perhaps the the old world we all knew two years ago. Yeah, we've seen with depending on the organisation and the type of work that people do. And often the role that people have, it varies. So we know some Mm. some of the research shows that we've actually, during the pandemic, when people were working remotely, they worked an average of 40 hours more per month compared to when they were in the office. So boundaries were were non-existent. Some people were constantly on all the time. Some individuals are really good at setting boundaries. Um, Other individuals struggle dramatically, but... I think we, we've actually seen an increase in stress as the return to work has ramped up. So people are uncertain um, about what it's going to look like. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think there's the uncertainty, but I also think it's it's very personal. Have you got kids at home? Do you live at home? Are you living a long way from work? Has your office moved? You know, and I think we will see a different level of flexibility. But we've got to be very careful that we work through that on a personal level and how that's going to affect an, an individual and how we can help them manage their stress, but also how we support them with these sorts of programs and tools to enable them to manage their well-being. So when you look beyond Zoetis, Leo, can you share some of the impacts you've seen by putting these tools into other organizations? Yeah, so... We've had a number of programs that we've ran similar to to this one, and the impact has been incredible. Um, First of all, it brings awareness to different topics. If I was to use um, the example of our our workshop on sleep, uh, the majority of people are unaware of the the impact sleep can have on their day-to-day behavior. Uh, At the more individual level, so when you're talking about stress and stress management, we go into a little bit of detail on the nervous system and how breathing can have an impact on your nervous system. One individual in particular during board meetings, which would be quite stressful, but in board meetings, he would turn off his camera and he would lie on the floor and practice some of the breathing exercises that we taught him just to kind of recenter himself and get himself back to the right frame of mind. So he's able to manage his emotions an awful lot better. Um, So... When you're having these regular conversations and then having somebody like you discussing it and Michelle integrating things like your that you just spoke about earlier, like the T model, and it has to come from leadership. So you have to be role modeling that behavior so they'll feel empowered to be able to do the same. Sometimes it's the the, the little things that can make a, a lot of difference. And um, you talk about, now, I don't switch the camera off and lay on the floor, um, although I might. Um, but Michelle, I think something for us is, you know, when we're on a, a lot of Zoom or Teams meetings, you, you feel that you have to be on camera. But why can't you just say, I'm, I'm not going to be on camera for this one? Just it gives you a little bit more of a, a downtime and possibly enables you to focus more on what you want to achieve in the meeting rather than I'm looking at myself again or switch your camera off, you know. Um, I don't know, Michelle... When you're going through this with your teams, are, are you looking at little sort of sort of the the little tiny things we can do that make a difference and everyone can put into their day? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think an example that comes up for me, and again, I share with my team to try to 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 be to be vulnerable and to encourage them to to come to me with similar situations at the beginning of you know the pandemic um we had limited time slots you know i could only go see my horse at a very specific time because they wanted to promote social distancing and i was if i'm honest i was panicked i was how am i going to make this work i've been given a 10 to 11:30 a.m. in the morning time slot but you know, so I was thinking, how, what am I going to do about meetings? How am I going to make this work? People are going to be wondering where I am. But the reality was nothing happened. I blocked the time. I got to see Swayze. I was in a much better headspace. The time was made up as it was, and and no one was any worse for the wear. So I, I definitely think there are things we can do. And, and to your point earlier, Jamie, about it being individualized, if someone's comfortable enough to come to you, there's a solution there. And, and we're supporting that because if someone can bring their best version of themselves to work, then we're all, you know, the better for it. So I definitely think there's little small ways uh, and, and, and behaviors and things that we can model as leaders, but we can also be really open about the conversations and encourage folks to come to us um, because it is such an individualized journey of wellness. Yeah, one, one I've tried is walking meetings. So you mentioned, Leo, about you, you may have five one-to-ones. Well, do two of those wandering around, you know? Um, you're both getting fresh air. You're probably fresher in your thoughts, a um, little bit of exercise at the same time, and not, not in front of a camera or, or, or in an office. And I, again, people will do this if they see that we're all doing it and it's the norm rather than, than the exception. Your brain is it's actually more active when you're walking, Jamie. So your 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 thoughts are going to be clearer cognitively, you're actually performing better. So to your point with turning your camera off, if it's possible at all to have a walking meeting, even if it's using the headset on the phone, it's a great idea. I've got to get back onto that one. Michelle, our next meeting is going to be a walking meeting. Yes. I and, and maybe even we'll advance to a meeting while riding my horse. <laughs> I have answered the phone once on my horse's yeah. back. <laughs> <laughs> this is um this has been a a great conversation. Um I'm really looking forward to see how the workshops go, the feedback, how we can share, how we can cast that shadow Michelle from the center of excellence into other departments. Um and also for folks that, you know, perhaps aren't in the office environment, you're still going to get a lot of learnings that we we really need to make sure we're sharing across the teams. So can't wait to see how this goes um leo appreciate all your support on this journey for michelle her team and our center of excellence in dublin and um i look forward to catching up with you both soon thanks very much for your time thanks so much jamie thank you jamie and thank you michelle i've really enjoyed this conversation today as we talked about the importance of embracing mental health and well-being at work as we discussed, companies can help lead in this area by destigmatizing mental health as a topic, which is one of my goals in this podcast. I hope to continue conversations around understanding and supporting each other in the next episodes. Thank you so much to Michelle and Leo for candidly sharing their own experiences and their expertise. Thanks for tuning in, and until next time, stay healthy, safe, and be well. <laughs>